0: You've come to the right place. It's the Smart Driving Cars podcast. Thanks for giving us your time, and we aim to make it worthwhile. We have another terrific guest joining us. This edition is sponsored by the Smart ETFs, Smart Transportation and Technology ETF, symbol MOTO. For more information, head to MOTOETF.com. I'm Fred Fishkin, along with the Faculty Chair of Autonomous Vehicle Engineering at Princeton University, Alan Kornhauser, Hi again, Alan. Hi, everyone. Nice to be with you again. And with us this week, the founder, president, and CEO of SAFE, securing America's future energy, Robbie Diamond. Thanks for being here, Robbie.
1: Hi. Thanks for having me. So nice to
2: have you, Robbie.
0: And we have to say we love the aquarium behind you. It's oh, weird. man. <laughs> Robbie, you've got a new report coming out that we're going to focus on. But first, let's give the audience A bit of background about SAFE. You're celebrating
2: 15 years this year?
1: Give or take. You know, it's like uh, birthdays. You don't like to talk about how many years it's been.
2: Yeah, I've had 38.
1: (laughs) 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 Going down.
0: (laughs) Tell tell us a bit of background uh, about the organization.
1: Absolutely. I mean, SAFE uh, started in 2004, 2005, and really our core mission was to um, and oil dependence for economic and national security. That was the original mission statement. In 2004, we're fighting two wars in the Middle East with the proximate cause uh, of oil, um, really the fuel that makes the world go round. Uh, we've got a global war on terror, and I just couldn't believe that we would have our foreign policy and spending such uh, lives, blood and treasure of the United States. Um, you know, Really, uh, in many cases, having to compromise our own values on, on a commodity that we need to, yes, run the modern economy, the uh, blood, the lifeblood of, uh, of this modern economy. And so I wanted to do something about it. So I was able, you know, luckily to recruit four admirals and generals. I mean, clearly at the time, uh, and still today, we're really the last respected institution and, uh, and CEOs of major companies. And our chairman being Fred Smith, the founder of FedEx, clearly understands the value of oil and uh, in a global mobile economy, and uh, General P. X. Kelly, the 28th Commandant of the Marine Corps. And that was our mission. Now, over the years, and we've been involved in both uh, the intellectual side of, uh, of, uh, of ending oil uh, dependence, but also on the solution side, uh, legislative, regulatory. And oil is really a problem in transportation. Where we have one fuel, one fuel source in all transportation, it is, it is it. It's a, we're a hostage to it, and it's a global market that is incredibly volatile. As we we constantly see, and we just wanted to solve this problem, and have, and we're not technology dependent. We're not, you know, we don't exist to promote one thing. And over the years, have really not only looked at uh, fuel economy and uh, efficiency and been for that, but really looking at electric vehicles, you know, whether they be uh, battery and then hydrogen uh, so we can diversify fuel sources but then now as we'll talk about today looking at how connectivity autonomy shared and electric all fit together and to use a military term um, you know because we have a lot of military people around are a force multiplier and that each one can work together to have broad social benefits and so it's not just about oil dependence yes that is our core mission but we believe that Bringing these technologies together can have so much more, as we'll talk about today, societal benefits, and that's why that is what we stand for. Uh, making this happen as quickly as possible.
0: You're formally releasing a report in the coming week, uh, titled "Fostering Economic Opportunity Through Autonomous Vehicle Technology," and you'll be holding a, a virtual event surrounding that. Tell us a bit about it.
1: Yeah, so you know we're very excited about this, and and I have to I thank Alan for. Uh, the, the great professor for uh, really being at the forefront of showing how autonomous, connected, shared uh, uh, vehicles can uh, help people, the, the disadvantaged, economically disadvantaged, the low income people um, get to a job. You know, the, 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 only, the, one, the one most determinant of economic upward mobility is actual mobility. So both for a job, but also, you know, just think about life um, getting to doctors, getting to grocery stores. Like, if you can't, in our car culture, don't have a car, you either have to spend money that you don't have, making it unaffordable, we'll talk about that, or you are, you know, relegated to, um, you know, not being able to, you know, see your potential, find the job, have upward mobility. And so we were looking at this and, uh, and uh, wrote this paper. And uh, on, July tw- on July 16th, I probably should have started with that, At 2 p.m. we're having, uh, we're releasing the paper, we're having an online forum uh, with a few people, Courtney Ehrlichman of the Ehrlichman Group. Uh, She was at Carnegie Mellon University, Dr. Richard Iziki of uh, the Urban Institute, and uh, Dr. Kornhauser himself. Um, And so go to our website secureenergy.org. Um, I think you guys are going to publicize it, and we'd love to have people uh, tune in and and listen to this really, really important topic, and and actually incredibly timely in a post-COVID world, because we see who the frontline workers are, we appreciate um, how getting somewhere is both has to be safe and affordable and convenient, and maybe this is a part of that solution going forward. Well, let's,
0: let's get into the paper that you're coming out with uh, a bit here. It analyzes how autonomous point-to-point transportation holds the potential to reduce inequities for low-income communities, as you've been pointing out. And you're saying that current transportation options really aren't anywhere near good enough?
1: Yeah, so, look, first of all, let's just say this about the automobile. It's, uh, it's, it's an incredible invention. It's created the modern world as we know it, incredible wealth. Like this is not an attack on the automobile. I mean, uh, but at the same time, especially in America, we've created um, you know, a culture that's very dependent and uh, where you live helps determine, as I said before, this sort of social upward uh, mobility. And so not only in urban areas, but increasingly in suburban areas, we see suburban poor, we see urban poor. And 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 the truth is, is that without a car, uh, it is very uh, hard to uh, find jobs. So uh, you know, over seventy jobs are not within ninety minutes of like a bus. Um, you know, and and within forty-five minutes, uh, you know, also incredibly uh, low. Um, and as I said before, medical appointments, child care, everything else. So not only do you not have the right routes in many cases. You also, uh, in, in many cases, um, you know, it doesn't run at the hours that people, especially in low-income areas or low-income people need, right? If they have two jobs and they're working off hours, um, it's very, uh, very difficult for them. Um, you know, another thing is it's actually quite costly for society itself. You know, we subsidize uh, most rides. Um, our bus system, you know, only about uh, 40% or less actually of the ticket price pays for the actual transportation of the operating costs. So everything else is being picked up by government. So the question is, yes, we need public transit, but what does public transit look like? And how does public transit best serve uh, the community that most uh, needs it? And uh, that, that's one thing I'd say, and, and one specific fact I'll bring up, and we can talk about uh, different uh, different facts is, that you know most Americans actually live in homes that would be considered unaffordable when looking at not only the cost of a home to income, but then putting in transportation costs. So many people move further and further away from cities in order to uh, be able to afford a house, but then their, their cost of transportation, if there is transportation, you know, goes up uh, dramatically, could be a fivefold. And so we saw that about 75 million homes in the United States are homes that would not be considered affordable, sustainably affordable, if you put together both their mortgage rent and or and with their transportation costs. So transportation really does define these things and uh, we need to find uh, better solutions uh, for our society.
2: Well, you know, you make a very good point there because he, here in New Jersey, you know, affordable housing is a really important thing, okay? So we create affordable housing. Where do we create affordable housing? On cheap land. Where's cheap land? Nowhere near anything. So all of a sudden, you've created affordable housing, but you haven't created affordable living because of the transportation costs that you put on top of it. And then you say, "Well, oh, we'll have a bus. Let them, you know, go when the bus goes, go where the bus goes." Well, oh, yeah. Who wants to live that way? I mean, it's not the way we end up living. We have this great car that's been created for us. We can go at a drop of a of, of a hat. Uh, We can go, we can go to wherever we want to go. Yet, all these folks, we say, oh no, you have to go when we provide it for you, where it goes. I mean, come on this is this is not not really creating affordable living and and really the, to me uh, you you pointed it out very clearly the real opportunity here is to take mobility and allow it to sh- allow that mobility to shape itself to what people really want where they're coming from where they're going and provide that in an affordable way Yes, it's going to take sharing. It should take sharing. We've got to deal with this COVID stuff with respect to the sharing. We'll get to that. We'll deal with that. But what we really need to do is put that in there, share when we can so that it becomes fundamentally affordable. And that fundamental affordability then gives the opportunities and all the things that you talk about. And that's that to me is the key opportunity of this technology. And guess what it is? It is transit. What is transit? Providing mobility as a service to folks. Why should you provide mobility as a service by some designer who designed stops and we shall run only and it should run every whatever. Why not provide it so that in fact it's a system that in fact can respond to what the customer wants. These folks are customers. We should treat them better.
1: (laughs) I would just... (laughs) You, like i said uh we learned so much from you so it's hard for me to uh, no no no, I mean, we, I mean, no we're I mean, all working
2: on this we're all working on this I no mean,
1: I, I i we're uh, going to agree a lot probably on this uh on this podcast um so i would say that um you know that there's another stark choice that people have right so they do buy cars because that's how you get around and 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 that's understandable but they're unaffordable so you know seven million americans yeah but,
2: but they do buy cars what's there one per family so what the little woman gets to stay in the kitchen barefoot and pregnant i mean that's a 1950s concept that's not a a, a 21st century concept that's not an equality concept that's not an a, an opportunity for everyone level playing field the children don't get to go the seniors don't get to go they have to be schlepped and chauffeured come on that's that's because you can only get one, and then when you get that one, it has a broken tail light. Guess who stops you? Guess who? Whatever. Guess what? You can't pay. Oh my! I mean, cut it out. Quit piling this stuff on the po- folks.
1: Sorry. <laughs> well, I mean, that's the point. They're they're making uh, choices. I mean, you know, it costs uh, low income people uh, fifty dollars to five hundred dollars more, even just for insurance and other things. So even the cost of that personal mobility is more. And as I think, you know, Alan said, you know, this is about getting someone where they need to go point to point in an efficient way and a cheaper way, both for themselves, but also for society. Absolutely. Germans are spending so much money on in somewhat an insufficient service. So I'm not, look, we have to get there. Technology has to be invented, but we need to be thinking about this use case, which can be so important and helpful to, uh, to, to all of us and to, these, and to
2: people. I think that's most important to, to do the use case. When we think of the operational design domain of this, the operational design domain is the scope of what the mobility needs of this sector of the population because right now they got nothing. Okay, or that what they have is really poor to do it for, you know, those of us that have, you know, so many, so many ways to do anything and whatever and so on and so forth. Come on, that's not that's not that's not where you're going to get the biggest bang out of this buck, the biggest improvement in the quality of life where you're going to get it is really addressing where people really can use it, need it, improve themselves and improve society and themselves all by doing it.
0: Robby, you actually put a number on this in, in this report, uh, come up with a figure that says that autonomous vehicle transportation could reduce average household costs by more than $5,000 a year. Tell us more about how this was uh, arrived at.
1: Right, so if you, if you look at the cost of different forms of uh, mobility, I mean, uh, take a New York taxi, which is like $2 a mile, You know, you take uh, shared lifts, Ubers, you know, private rides, which are about a dollar a mile. Uh, Personal cars, 60 cents higher, all depending on many, many factors. But overall, if you take electric vehicles, electric propulsion, which, you know, has no maintenance or fueling, essentially, and you take, um, you know, running large fleets, you know, there are numbers at the most conservative uh, by Morgan Stanley at about 50 cents a mile. And as I said before, you know, our, in the most dense areas, our government's spending about a dollar per ride to subsidize it. I said before, it's about 60% of a ride to and In a non-urban area, it could be up to six dollars a ride for paratransit. It could be up to 35 dollars a ride. So here, you have a 50 cents per mile option, you know, versus um, you know what a government might be spending, which is a dollar at the at the cheapest per ride. So there you there you go. You know, you you uh that's two free miles, okay? But uh I've seen lowest estimates is ten cents a mile. So you could give ten miles to every person for free. Um and I think that's really exciting and it will depend on cost, but operating uh fleets of these and having um you know uh different vehicle sizes, different form factors to meet different needs will allow us to optimize and provide the mobility. Like no one wants to People just want to, and and it's cleaner um, for an environmental perspective, you know, assuming you're using an electric vehicle, as I said before, and you begin to see that transit systems are starting to think through this. So, you know, in Pinellas County, Florida, 23 free rides to people between 9 p.m. and uh, 5 a.m. because it's not when buses are running and this is a more affordable option in some cities like New York via has, you know, has a contract with the school boards. Uh, helping them deal with their school, school buses and their planning of that and and others so you begin to dallas has a program like this with uber and so once again uh the current system um is still expensive but if you bring in autonomy you bring in electric and you bring in shared you really bring down the price per mile that our government is already spending so can you provide a better service now? Once again, we need a metro system. We need government to provide some of that. Uh, this is not to knock out those systems, but um, is, is this the future or one part of that future? And so it's not just you know, big buses that are many times empty running around on routes that are not uh, ideal and really can provide more access to more jobs. I'll use one more statistic. So we looked at Amazon fulfillment centers. And this is not a this is not an indictment of Amazon at all. But I mean, clearly they're having hundreds of thousands of new jobs. These are future jobs for for people who want those jobs. So the 60 largest Amazon centers, um, uh, I can't remember the number exactly. It was a uh, in the in the 80 percent do not have access, except to get there, except through um, actual cars. So
2: a big one around here is Robbinsville. Okay, it. Stuff from Robbinsville comes to my house, has wonderful $15-an-hour jobs, blue-collar jobs, sitting there next to the Jersey Turnpike. This less, New than, Jersey, less than
0: 10 miles from Trenton, as you always yeah, say.
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> New Jersey Transit Service? Of course not. Nobody lives there. Probably so you know, actually it's hundred you know,
1: percent of the largest center
2: probably you, you know I, absolutely and, and you know my goodness and, and why not? Wow they'd have to train, da, 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 da. Well these vehicles these they don't care, they go there. they take people there, they pick them up. If I'm a business, I have to spend money for parking spaces for people to let their vehicles sleep while they're in my store? Why shouldn't I be instead be spending money on getting people to and from my store instead of them parking their vehicle? I mean, wouldn't I get more out of getting them there? I mean, it's really, I'm making them go out and buy a car to get to my place, let it sit there doing nothing while they shop for my stuff. there's another I there's another I mean mean, it's just unbelievable. It's unbelievable. And and employers do the same thing. You know, how many parking garages do we have and we're going to build at Princeton University? You know? To store things that we've made the people go out and buy and spend money on that are really not too damn efficient, you know, environmentally and energy and all that stuff. Instead of saying, "Oh my goodness, we're going to pitch in to have this this stuff that will just bring people there and let them come and go."
1: And, and, you know, the irony is also for the car companies themselves, right? Why, why does Cruise exist? Why is General Motors, as an example, putting all that and the yeah. capital into that? It's because they see selling miles is actually a better business model for them as well. So the question is, is you know, how do you link these are these two <laughs> things up? Um, and so this is really, in some ways, no, letting no, government absolutely. get out of the way to develop this as, uh, as soon as possible. I, the, the other advantage, of course, of autonomy, that people talk about is you know, the amount of lives saved. I mean, until this pandemic, I used to say it was a pandemic on our roads. Um, you know, sadly, we do see though we're willing to let people die. So I don't even know if that's the sales economic perspective. This is a sales point, which is it's better for car companies that make low margins on selling a vehicle one time and then having to service those vehicles and no car companies are beginning to see them themselves. Now they have to deal with selling something today that makes a profit versus the future. But I think the indication when you look at these car companies and their partnerships and their sort of frenemy status is they need to find the capital to be part of this future or they will not exist. And this is a use case that we have to make sure we keep our eye on and that the government itself will benefit if they allow this to happen faster.
0: Robbie, you bring up the pandemic, and there are lots of issues we can talk about related to it. One of them, obviously, is will people be willing to ride share in the foreseeable future, to a great extent. What do you think?
1: Yeah, so look, I'm not going to be one to, uh, for, first of all, we saw the importance of what we call now frontline workers, right? People go to our grocery stores, the, the nurses, um, or the people who make our our, uh, our, our our hospitals clean, or the bus drivers themselves. I mean, these people need to be able to get the jobs, and they feel unsafe. If you read many of the stories, we've got stories in the in the paper about it. Look, I, I'm not sure how much you know. We're sharing. There will be a lot of sharing, clearly. But you know, there's also a scenario that says that a single pod, occupant pod, being able to get a single person point to point, is also cheaper than uh, loading up people into these vehicles. So yes. You don't have to have 50 person vehicles, you can have point to point transportation, you can put many people in. But, you know, if we did not have a photo, uh, a federal motor vehicle safety standard an FMVSS that allowed us to design from the ground up In materials in size, the form factor, everything, taking the full advantage of electrification, taking full advantage of autonomy, we could have a very different uh, system. Look at micro mobility, these scooters, which have been around during the pandemic, right? People have been using them. I mean, there was a moment where someone bankrupt because they couldn't do it. But right now, uh, Rivian, which has an electric moped, um, has provided free um, rides to uh, these frontline workers. And, and you see them all over around Washington, DC. Now, are they not the future? You know, if this was autonomous and like one person sat in it and it was cheap and small um, and used our bike lanes, which could become micro mobility lanes. I mean, the, the point is, is in the last, less than 10 years due to sensors, batteries, big data, and everything else that we see going on. This is the next place to be disrupted. Some people you know, maybe thought, uh, got too excited about it, and now they, they're, they're, they don't think it's exciting enough. But I, I don't see anything that's changed. This is possible. Mobility is the most important factor. Energy is what causes our wars, uh, kills people on our streets, doesn't get people to jobs, doesn't give them the lifestyle they want. And here we have autonomous shared electric, which could do these things. And I just do not understand. And what we need to work on is how do you allow companies to innovate, but then society to best utilize the technologies that they have innovated
0: and vehicle sanitizing is a good business opportunity
1: yeah i I, I think with respect to the
2: design of vehicles especially with respect to an uh, electric vehicle that that doesn't need the transmission and the same drivetrain sort of things that that the internal combustion needs one can design a vehicle that has compartments on it that in fact you can't separate folks and in fact you know and have separate air supply circulation and all that if if things are really you know such that uh that people don't want to get close to and somebody else anymore I, I just don't know what kind of what kind of human being that that becomes but maybe that's what we evolve to um um uh, we'll wait and see but but certainly i think that, that can all be designed on top of this it's called a skateboard which is four wheels electric motor and 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 the The uh, system uh, that basically um, uh, controls it safely to get from A to B to C to D to E to F, Uh, you know, I mean, um, I think that's straightforward. You know,
1: our regulatory, I don't don't know if this is important, but, you know, our regulatory environment is kind of constricting in this area. It's one of the things that need to open up, and we we actually, as part of a proposal for stimulus, you know, right now, car companies can only build 5,000 cars that they consider, quote unquote, exemptions. Um, which allows them to redesign and rethink. And if you gave them a hundred thousand, they could retool their factories in preparation for, you know, this future, you know, rethink like putting people backwards and facing them backwards or, you know, taking out components that they no longer need. And I do think it's a very important part. Like if you look at what Waymo is doing and you know, total kudos to them, but in the end, they've taken a normal car that weighs the normal amount and they've just put a sensor on top because that's not regulated. What the car itself is so regulated so we need a safety standards that make people feel safe, but at the same time, a uh, new sense of let people design, let them think freely so we can uh, you know, fit these uh, use cases.
2: Well, I've, I've argued for some time, uh, again, I don't think anybody's bought it, but this is probably a new mode. This probably needs its own executive, whatever, regulatory structure. You know, we have it for railroads, we have it for pipelines, we have it for airplanes, we have it for cars, we have it for trains. This is different. Things aren't going to go boom. It's all focused on not going boom. It's all focused on doing things with technology. It is quite different than a car okay, even though it might share the, the, the infrastructure w- with others. And I think it, it, it probably does and it deserves thought that comes in that they, that allows it to both make sure that it doesn't screw up and make sure that it does deliver the values, but gives it the flexibility to, to to have that creativity and that innovation uh, in that. And, and without being without being strapped on, oh, you, you've got to deal with the regulations that are associated with airplanes. It's not an airplane. We're making a deal with regulations in which there are people that are unreliable, man, you know, organizing and running these things. They misbehave, they speed, they go through red lights, they drink, they they text, uh, they, who knows, hop in the back seat, whatever, you know? These things don't do any of that. They deserve their own playing field on that. I don't know, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> it's just, uh,
0: So, Robbie, congratulations again on this report, and we encourage people to read it when it comes out next week and to to check out the uh, event you have coming up as well. We'll continue in just a moment, but this is a good time to remind you about our sponsor, the Smart ETFs, Smart Transportation and Technology ETF, symbol MOTO. To get more information, head to MOTOETF.com. On that website, we should point out that it's a good idea to read the white paper they have there. It's called the Smart Transportation Revolution. You'll find it under the Insights and News tab. Lots of great information there to help you make an informed decision about investing. You may know ETFs can be a smart way to spread risk with investments and focus on a particular category. So this site, once again, is MOTOETF.com. Getting to some of the headlines in the latest Smart Driving Car newsletter, Alan, you highlight a report from Vice with the headline, we don't need cops to enforce traffic laws. In essence, I think uh, they're advocating broader use of traffic cameras instead of armed officers to enforce traffic laws.
2: Yeah, and and of course, you know, I don't know if any of us really liked uh, to be watched and uh, and every time we, uh, we sort of, uh, uh, go a little bit out of bounds, we're gonna we're gonna get um, get a ticket in the mail, and so that's kind of the the uh, you know sort of oversight problem that's associated with technology. I guess my main point is is why do the the people that pull us over and give tickets carry guns? I mean Bonnie and Clyde, uh, what, you know, the, they were they're not are, are they really on the roads these days? why are we doing that I mean we do we do so many things that that end up piling on the certain folks that they can't get on from under uh, under it you know uh, Princeton police uh, you know pull over people because they there's a warrant out because they didn't pay some fine someplace in some other jurisdiction who knows what maybe they had a, a taillight out and they got a ticket and couldn't afford to pay for it and all of a sudden now there's a warrant and and now our police are pulling them over and arresting them and piling it on top how do people ever get out from under this stuff okay and really I mean uh, uh, traffic enforcement is so important uh, and we gotta you know be ready with guns I mean I mean, don't we need to rethink? I mean, isn't it really like getting mindset a parking? That you're talking about. I, I think it's a di- to me, it's a different mindset. Why do we have people that are so trained, so well trained in being responsible and carrying all this stuff with them, then passing out a speeding ticket? I mean, really, it's a traffic ticket. It's a parking ticket. Have a. Have, have, I don't want to be condescending called a meter may I mean have someone who I I don't know I it just it it amazes me this is now the big uh, you know uh, uh, criminal thing that somebody does that we now need this whole criminal hierarchy to be then dealing with this part of our society Uh, We'd be a whole heck of a lot better off if we, you know, put the intelligence in the darn vehicles. Let the intelligence do it. It won't speed. It won't go through red lights. It it, it won't uh, it won't tailgate. It won't do all the things. Uh, hopefully, it's a good entity like Waymo or somebody out there. They'll make sure that they all have the, you know, not broken taillights. Jeez, I mean. Okay. Okay. am i am i allowed to ask a question sure. no go ahead jump no in, we uh, want you to jump in i'm doing this so you jump in i mean you know
1: <laughs> i don't know i mean i'm being i'm being uh, uh, i just my question is is you know just watching the mask debate in the united states and uh when you're talking like it doesn't do this it doesn't do that it doesn't do this why it like program and yet like we are a country that uh, you know has this massive fight between like i don't want to put on face mask like are we willing to, has your views on this the willingness of Americans to get into a vehicle that is pre-programmed to not go as fast as they want or to do these things. Has that changed at all? Or hey, you always expected them to be like that, but ultimately they'll get their time back and, and it will be cheaper, and cheaper.
2: Every time I get on United Airlines and fly to the West Coast, uh-huh. I demand to be led into the cockpit and tell that damn pilot, go faster. <laughs> no. No, why is it that all of a sudden, if I get into my vehicle, I get to break the speed limit? Okay, now I know why it came in the 85% that on all this stuff and so on. And in fact, it said expecting us to go whatever and they give you four, nine or 14 or something. I I know, I understand all that stuff. But come on, I mean, this is just totally irresponsible. And you know, it, it gives us a way to, you know, get our, uh, get our rage out in largely, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, a non really aggressive way, although it, it, it boils over at times. Uh, but come on, it's just, uh, cut it out. All right, and, and in a sense, um, and, and, and sitting over us and watching us and every time we sort of hit the edge of the cage, you zap us, I don't think, look, just give us a ride. When I get in an elevator, I, you know, do I jump up and down to try to you know, lessen the weight or something like that so it goes, for, I don't know what sort of F equals MA things I have in my brain, which aren't, you know. No, I mean, uh, relax. I, I don't know. <laughs> I think it's a, it's a good question. Yeah, I, I don't. I, I think I didn't think I'd ever wear a seatbelt, but they ended up making seatbelts easy and so on. So I decided to. A lot of people have motorcycles who say they won't wear a helmet. Okay, okay. You know, make the call. All right, I guess. But in a sense, is that, is that only the only reason why somebody has a motorcycle to not wear a helmet? I think they're getting something else out of a motorcycle <laughs> than not wearing the helmet, okay? And, and so uh, I think I, it, when I get into a cab, do I really, or into an Uber, do I tell the Uber driver to go faster? I, right. I might've, but I doubt it. I usually say, slow down. 'Cause I don't trust them. <laughs> or something. I, uh, yeah, that's me. I sorry. I you know. I I I I don't think that this that's a great imposition. It's it's all of our manhood is not built into I gotta speed. I I hope not anyway.
0: <laughs> Rob Robbie, there's gonna be a significant portion of the population as as we've been seeing in the divide in the country, who are going to challenge all of this, obviously and, and not be willing to, but uh I guess time will tell, and time continues. Well, you
1: know, I, I, I exist. I exist in the political sphere. I live in Washington, and uh, you know, in our system, it's much easier to stop something than to uh, make something happen. And my, my big fear is that in this great technology, you know, leaps forward, um, all the incumbent interests that do have a lot to lose because our society has been built around single owner, you know, car, you know, car ownership. How do they stop maybe some of this progression um and speed yeah. China like you know I think you can't take it out of your mind and we're about to put out another paper that deals with the supply chain and technology race between you know us and uh and china um in transportation you know they can snap their fingers and you know make yeah. rules and laws and you know let this innovation happen so i mean clearly, I think it's uh it's uh how do you how do how do we make sure that we don't let our political system you know get in the way we move at the speed of technology um and safety not necessarily at the speed of our own uh, preconceived notions of uh, manhood uh, yeah as a, as a yeah no right, right
2: Yeah, i i agree with you robbie i think we do have to watch out because there are some some people who might you know who there's nothing that's all one and all good and all bad. I mean, if it was, we'd already have it. We wouldn't be arguing about it. It'd be so darn obvious, you know? And so maybe it's uh, it's the people that sell used parts or or or, or car repair shops or whatever whatever and, and those kind. And so one has to certainly be careful of somebody throwing monkey wrenches into this thing. Uh, the automobile industry has had a, a very, very good run for the past hundred years of uh, and so on and they're you know and delivered as you we agree a great product provided enormous improvement in quality of life for 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 a large percentage of the of the population of the world and so you know deserve all the credit in the world but uh, i think it's time to move on and we're not saying you have to do this OK, it's not going to be it's not it's not going to go all the way over. I mean, right. we haven't even started to move yet. Right. I mean, right now we're still at zero. OK, we're we're not even at one percent. We're not. I mean, even Uber, Lyft and, and ride hailing never got to one percent. OK, I mean, uh, so. um yeah, there's room for everybody here, okay, and um, and there's really room to to certainly improve improve it for the quality of life to a lot of folks as as your paper really uh, addresses, and and that's really where we should be moving, I think, at this particular point in time.
0: Well, moving on in the newsletter, Alan, uh, Elon Musk spoke today via video message at the opening of Shanghai's annual World Artificial Intelligence Conference. And he said, Tesla is very close to achieving level five autonomous driving technology. And you point out uh, the basic technology is only one little piece of the puzzle.
2: I think the basic technology is just a piece of the puzzle. You gotta have a business case. You gotta have a business case. And if he puts this out there, what's he gonna do? Sell it to me? And if he sells it to me, and it does all this stuff itself, He's the one that's responsible. And so therefore, he's the one that's gonna to have to pick up the tab if something happens to me. He doesn't have enough money.
0: Well, as you've said before, that kind, of, that kind of business model certainly is not sustainable.
2: I, I don't, I, I'm not startable, not, forget sustainable, <laughs> it's not even startable. And he better really be there. Because if there's any gap in being there, that means things go boom. I
0: guess owners would have to sign off that they're responsible, even even with level
2: five. I'm responsible. This thing is driving me, and I'm sitting there sleeping or whatever and enjoying myself, and the thing goes boom. That's my response. The the United Airlines pilot is flying the plane. The plane goes down. Has anybody said any of the passengers are responsible? I mean, if he carried a bomb, sure, you know, whatever, but you know, cut it out. So that business case isn't there, so he can't sell it to me. Is he going to own it and operate it? Well, that's not just the technology, okay? You got to find the customers. You got to put it together. You have to have your operational design domain. You have to do. You know, there's a lot of work you got to do. He hasn't even started yet. So yeah, I mean, I I love him saying he's close. You know, it depends on what the definition of close is. How long have we been doing virtual reality? You know, how long ago was Toy Story? Uh, Toy Story? You know, every time they put in a movie in which there is virtual reality on there, you can see it. We're 99.9% of the way there. But guess what? That last one tenth of 1%. Non-trivial. <laughs> I don't know.
0: Mean, meanwhile, level
2: five. level 5 is just, I mean, it's supposedly everywhere. Are you joking? I can't drive my Tesla. I don't have one. But if I had one down a <laughs> riverbank, okay? It won't go there. All right. If I go in the fog I die okay all right so it's not everywhere every time if I go in deep snow the damn the thing I don't know stops at least I hope it stops <laughs> I don't know Whatever.
0: Well, his his yeah. other business model is, seems to be succeeding. Yeah, no,
2: he's doing great. He's a great publicist. He's he gets a <laughs> lot of free press. We got we're here talking about Teslas and right. so on. I mean, did he pay? I mean, we should have gotten paid. Robbie, you and I and and Fred should have gotten a check for all this. Never mind. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, te- Tesla delivered ninety thousand six hundred fifty yeah. vehicles in the midst of the pandemic. Yeah. A third of them in China, roughly. Uh, so,
2: yeah, it's it's the iPhone. It's the iPhone all over again in China. I mean, it. you know, this thing has apparently has an Aurora around it that, you know, people just want to buy great. I mean, wonderful. I mean, all the kudos in the world. You know, all the kudos in the world. I mean, you know, really, I mean, to, to, to do what he's accomplished. I mean, I think he, yeah, great. I'm, I'm, Plot them. <laughs> From Venture
0: From VentureBeat, there's a story headlined, How May Mobility's Autonomous Shuttle Ambitions Backfired.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's worth reading. I mean, you know, that this is not easy. And, 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 and it's, I don't know, I don't want to say, but, you know, they weren't, weren't, weren't even close to being able to do it in the operational design domain. I mean, to do driverless, you have to take the driver out of there to be able to make it affordable you really to be able to have it be demand responsive and sit around parts of the day and not do anything and then just be available at two o'clock in the morning to take you to the doctors or take you to Newark or to do whatever the other things means that you can't you can't have a a a human that, that you're trying to pay a living wage and a living work environment to do it okay you 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 need something I hate to say the word you need a slave you need somebody you can direct to do it and it's not a body it's it's a gizmo it's a it's a it's a computer it's 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 an inanimate object and if we can do that then we can then we can make it demand responsive and then we can make it affordable and we can and the, of course the affordability comes because most of this technology is Moore's lawish and, man, Moore's Law is it like the best thing that almost happened to humanity in some sense, you know. Things get better and cheaper over time. Whoa. I mean, <laughs> want as well, much of that as I can.
0: Also from the Smart Driving Car Newsletter, a story from Digital Trends. Autonomous ride sharing isn't dead. How Waymo is adapting to the post-COVID era. The post-COVID era thing jumps out at me as being very optimistic.
1: <laughs> well, yeah. Are we well, in our second
2: wave? Yeah, we're in our second wave and who knows and whatever. I guess, you know, the other pandemics have only, I guess, had two waves or three waves or lasted a couple of years or something like that, I guess, you know look when when the economy is so impacted by this one one would expect the economy to be to become innovative out, out of some place and 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 save it there's there's just so much value that's being lost out there that you know for by so many people that you know somebody some entities are going to be creative and be able to deal with it i mean uh, um
0: you know well waymo had stopped their their service in Arizona for some time, then the, the announcement weeks ago that they were restarting it, and now I'm wondering. I'm seeing all these headlines from Arizona. That's probably the worst place, or one of the worst places in the country to be. So you wonder what what they're doing
2: now. Yeah, yeah, no. I mean, and and the article really didn't divulge all that much. So uh, you know, it was it was really light, but I whatever okay um yeah one doesn't not look the, the good thing is, is is i don't think this this really sets back the technology why because The the key part of this thing besides the business case is really getting the technology to work. By work means is it it can actually do the things that we say it's going to do in the operational design domains and do it safely. And, And guess what? The folks that are really working on that can work remotely because it's all code. It's all code and it runs through simulation and and they have enough data out there really uh, to be able to run. You really don't have to be out there. And if they're not going from whatever generation X to generation X plus one of this thing, you know, that always takes massive, uh, you know, uh, personal computing writing code efforts and sitting there. And all that is probably going on more efficiently. Uh, if people actually look at it than it was before the pandemic. So as I look at that, all that piece of it continues to progress and so as soon as we get out of this thing people are going to be there with now we got the solution we have to make the business case work and we still have to work on that sucker i had a call this morning with the folks in trenton we are we are continuing to move forward to make the business case there to, to to have a start to provide that this kind of mobility in a community that can really use it and have it be be welcome so all that stuff is still going
1: on in the background in the uh, during this pandemic. So uh, I, I, let me, I, I'd add something else, which is, you know, I think the pandemic in some ways, you know, uh, the way we get our goods. So, you know, we're talking a lot about people delivery, but really goods delivery. And it really showed not only the demand side has gone up, but this idea of contactless delivery has changed people's perception. And so I think that, um, you know, as as a, as Lon said, you know, it's like you develop it for the goods delivery now, where there is, you know, this sort of new potentially big business model where public buys into it. It's totally transport transferable, transferable, ultimately. Yeah, the- you,
2: you, we 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 have uh, Amazon buying Zooks. You know, that, that that to me is such a big thing. One, you know, it's a good thing. But you, you have Amazon doing this to move things from Titusville over to my house, and guess what? You can do. I don't know, fifty percent of it, a substantial percentage of that between one AM and five AM, where there are no kids out there chasing balls, there are no bicyclists, there are no there's no pedestrians out there. And you can actually go there and, and basically get the, the technology to from the ninety-eight percent to the ninety-nine point nine, whatever percent working moving goods. And doing it for a bottom line that is just so powerful and so motivating. I mean, there's just there's just money there to do this, and 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 for everybody's value. And then all of a sudden, when you come out of this thing on the other side, it's not available to move people during the day. I mean,
1: it's almost easy. <laughs> in a in a in a post COVID world, you know, people say oh, what habits will change, which will come back, and you know, I think delivery. Uh, is definitely going to change. And I don't see any reason why people would go back. Uh, they've already created their systems. They've got their reservation slots. They've done all these things. So I think uh, it's this use case that we see yeah. unlike people who might, you know, not, they might take, go back to their old habits uh, in their, where how they get around what they do. But for this, I, I just don't see, I think this is the use case where we do see, you know, change that will be permanent. And, you know, we have to figure out how to get people as many goods as they want front doorsteps without all that traffic congestion environmental costs and everything
2: that that continues the economy going somebody has to put this stuff together somebody has to make it happen and it's easier to do technologically and it's less risky and it delivers
1: money to the bottom line and all those things and we but you don't even have to go the fastest route the most dangerous route like a good's not going to say hey why did you turn down this street which is not the safe you know, because it's safer, it's a safer route, and no one cares. Absolutely. So, and then you learn, and then it gets applied to the human side. So, I think it's absolutely, really, uh, I don't think COVID has stopped this at all. In some ways, might have even accelerated
2: it. I, 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 that's that's where I'm ending up. I'm looking at this thing. When you look at these things, and the process of going through it this way, we get to a better solution earlier. Hey, it's not bad. Hey, that that's a heck of a silver lining. You know, I didn't, you know, it's tough to find silver linings in COVID, but this may very well be a silver,
1: silver lining in COVID. Well, that's I got word. one.
2: I got yeah.
1: one. I got I to give you a quick silver lining. I okay. Knew, you know, my my daughters, yeah. uh, because they couldn't go to camp, we came up with this idea that they would demolish and remodel a bathroom from scratch in our house. So my high school daughters are, uh, that. there's a silver lining. I'm going to have an amazing bathroom because my daughters couldn't <laughs> otherwise go to camp. So I'm giving you why I want silver lining get all this terrible death destruction and economic uncertainty.
0: That sounds like it's good for your, your economic certainty, actually. Really.
1: I've asked for them to stop banging for the neck for the last uh, 45 minutes.
0: Terrific. And that, that whole Amazon Zooks thing is hopefully going to be the topic of our next live discussion or debate. Oh, wow uh coming up within the within the next couple of weeks we'll have a date soon i think for that right yeah
2: yeah we're looking to do that i guess a week from tuesday uh but um um uh yeah i think it, i think it's it's really worth thinking about and 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 really glad to, i mean amazon of course they've been working on this it's it's fundamental to their business model, free delivery. And it's just cost them money. Oh my goodness, if they can come closer to actually doing it for free, all that money drops to the bottom line. I mean, you know.
0: And God knows, Mr. Bezos needs it, right? So. I, of
2: course, and, <laughs> and uh, we class of 86, and we are here, you know, anytime you want to, you know, <laughs> a professorship. <laughs> we,
0: we have a new name for these discussions. It's called Driving the Debate. So people can go to drivingthedebate.com to see yeah. what's next. And they can uh, check out also some of our previous uh, discussions.
2: Yeah it, it is a debate. I mean I, I look, if one of the good things about the future is that we don't know what it, what it's going to be, I mean otherwise it'd be boring. Uh, the fact that we don't know is, is a real real, I think virtue in a sense it keeps us going, keeps us interesting and, and really it's trying to discuss these things and figure out good ways to, to bring about better futures.
0: On that note that'll do it for this edition thanks to our sponsor the smart etfs smart transportation and technology etf the ticker symbol for the etf is moto and more information is available at MOTOETF.com. etf.com and we really want to thank robbie diamond for joining us great thank stuff you robbie thank you. and uh, people should be reading that paper when it comes out next week and the website Number- again for people to go to to learn more about uh, what you've got coming up. The uh, the virtual event next week is secureenergy.org. You can find Absolutely. us at smartdrivingcar.com, also on Anchor FM, Spotify, TuneIn, Apple, Google, Spreaker, SoundCloud, where, wherever you turn for your podcast. You can get your smart speaker to play us too. You can find my tech reports at textination.com. I'm Fred Fishkin, along with Alan Kornhauser. Thank you for listening or watching, and please stay healthy and safe.
2: Stay healthy and safe. Have a great day. Robbie, wonderful having you. Um, Fred, always fun.